Welcome to Culture Pop. I am Paul Runyon, your host. In this episode, I interview Leo Partable, a good friend, artist, director, musician, multifaceted man. He has it all. I'm impressed by the kind of guy he is and the drive he has to do what he needs to do. He's always busy, and I was pleased he made time for us today. Enjoy the episode. Fresh. Culture I would love to film with this thing, if you, yeah. if you don't mind. Let me just test this really good. Well, this thing called the human connections. I can't handle it. This thing called love. And I'm just to get round to it. I get ready. Crazy little thing called love. There goes my baby She knows how to rock and roll She drives me crazy She leaves me hot and cold fever She leaves me in a cold, clean sweat Okay, this is great. It sounds good, huh? Uh, yeah. This has got a good sound. Yeah, so uh, everything's on it, man. There's uh, picks, the... This is perfect. The clip is on the top too, uh-huh. so. Uh, yeah, that's a little busted up. Don't worry, I pulled it off one day. Oh, did you? oh, it's busted. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. That's great. I but, just wanted to test it so man. I could see if it's good. You sound good. I I haven't heard you play too much. I mean, I heard you play at the party once. Oh yeah. But um, it's uh. That's uh no, I love the. That's perfect. I love that. Okay, I need to. <laughs> The, the, oh, level, yeah. the levels seem to be working real nice. We're not peaking. I just okay. I just let it go. I kind of end up just okay. rolling into it kind of cold, you know? Okay, cool. Make sure. Hello. Tell hello. me if you can, can yeah. you hear me? Yep. Everybody it's, sounds it's good. Good. All right. Foot differences. Uh, okay. Even that is great, you know? Cool. Right on. Let me know what you want to start. Oh, we're, we're starting. Oh, we are? <laughs> That's cool. Are I like, we? I like to kind of start it where it's just like informal and it's... Uh, yeah. We're just here, man. Okay. How far do you want me away from the mic? Is this good right here? You could you could go all the way back here, you know? Okay. You're, yeah, you sound good. You're not topping off or anything. Okay, so. good. I, I didn't want to be topping off or anything like that, so... No, it's all good, man. <laughs> well, you're here with uh, with Leo Partable. Uh, this is uh, Culture Pop, and uh, we're just... Uh, I thought you guys would want to hear... Uh, just uh, a talent that is uh, different from all the other talents. I keep running into people that have cool stories and uh, you know, we're, you know, we're doing a little project together and uh, man, it's, I think the first of many, I think. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) That'd be great. You know, it's just, when you sync with someone, you sync, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, in this line of work, all the different lines of work that combine into one thing, right. uh, You know, you don't get too many folks that have done it all, you know? And so, man, uh, welcome to the place. I am uh, so happy to be here. This is such a cool place because it feels so much like the culture pop. I mean, it is a culture pop. Sometimes to my wife's chagrin, but, uh, but (laughs) there's too much stuff around. This is actually, no, no, actually it's not too much stuff because there's a lot of open space. Like I have friends that, that have, you know, I mean, literally every crevice, every right. part of the house is filled with toys and something sticking out and then something yeah. that's going to transform. And well, this is the part of a good marriage. I mm-hmm. listen to my wife more and more as we get older. <laughs> and so I have more and more of it 
in my study. Unless <laughs> out here. Yeah. And you could just pull it out whenever you need to. That's right. That's the thing. That's usually the case that you want. And, and she bought me that little Buzz and Woody thing for our anniversary. So oh, she, yeah, she enjoys it too. And uh, I'm pointing to a maquette that Disney had at the park. And, it's a beautiful uh, maquette. And it's, Buzz and, it's just fun. Yeah. You know? It's uh, one of those things when I saw that in 3D, I'm like, I want to do that. It's fantastic. You know? <laughs> Man, but so what do you got going on right now? I mean, uh, well, for me personally, I am juggling probably about a half a dozen projects, but um, my big thing is is to um, I don't know how how to explain it, but I feel like I I want to live every single day just creating. So every single man. morning for me, I mean, if I'm not doing a lot of my freelance work, um, it's just. I want to create art and then just put it out. What I mean by art, it doesn't necessarily mean like like I draw. I mean, of course, I do my my, my drawings, sure. my painting, or or whatever. Uh, it's but the it's the comic book material, yeah, the creation. Yeah. Um, you know, something doing something in the sketchbook, um, creating a, a, a new poem, um, writing a new song. I and um, you know, working on a screenplay or, or a book, um, just everything because. Um, and the last few years, I don't know how how you felt, but I, I think I think we've lost a lot of friends who are young oh. in their thirties and their forties. Yeah. Um, and people like you know when you when like John Schnepp, like earlier this year. That's right. earlier this year, and I think um, late last year I had a, another friend who who passed away, and she wasn't. I mean, she was young, and I didn't even know she had cancer. So that was one of those things. I mean, I, I, right now I'm looking around on my Facebook and my social media and I'm meeting people and they seem to have, I mean, people are getting sick and I don't understand. I mean, and we're not talking people in, in their 50s and 60s. No. We're talking people about late 20s. I just, you know, and, and yeah. the early 30s and then early 40s. And how does that happen? So for me, I just felt like I need to create you know, we were just talking about Bernie Wrightson yeah. passing away, or, or even just the other day, Stanley. I did a an interview with Stanley. That was one of the big. How uh, lucky was, is that to be able to be in a situation where you could have done that and spent time with the man? It, it was weird. I could tell you. I mean, I I have my own. I, I just posted it on my my SoundCloud the the yeah. the, the audio version of um, this interview I did with Stan for Risen Magazine. And uh, there were a couple, I think I remember correctly, on the cover, the, the cover story was Paul McCartney, which I really would have loved to interview him, but they gave me Stan. And uh, No slouch. Right, no there. slouch. It was great. It was great. It was that. It was fantastic. It was, it was amazing. But He's I, the Beatle of nerds. Right. And what was interesting, that was, that's, um, what was interesting about that was that Stan had written the foreword to a book I, uh, I, um, contributed to it was called the gospel according to superheroes religion and pop culture and stan wrote the foreword to that book which they used i think for a history channel thing last year oh wow which which i found out and i didn't it was like i i forgot the editor of the book had told me um so there's no way you could track those kind of projects either they just yeah. Happen without you half the time. Yeah, right. I mean, it's out. It's out there. You can see. I think they use it in in, in universities. I think the book is used is still used today. I think there's a third printing. It's Peter Lang Publishing. Check it out, man. Yeah, and uh, and so with Stan though, you know, I I called him and said, listen, can would love to interview you. He goes, oh, sure, everything. If you got your friend, you know, if you want to come in and just ask my assistant. And his assistant was like. Stan's, well, I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't think Stan's got blah, 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 blah. He he's told the, me. He's the buffer in between. Stan right. Saying yes to everything. And then, I, <laughs> and then I told Stan, it's like, well, it looks like I won't be able to interview because he's not, he's telling me I won't. And he goes, let me talk to him. You know? <laughs> well, he didn't, he, I didn't talk to him. It was an email. Yeah, I, right. I hear in my head. It was well, of course. Like, well, that's how we was, heard Stan. Right. Reading in the back of the books. And then when you heard, finally heard him how he sounded. Right. Then that's how you read him. We were going know. back and forth on email on that one by, by that point. And then, of course, his assistant said, well, you got one hour. Then I told Stan, I go, he goes, and I got in there. I walked in and, and he was telling me, he was like, well, he told me I only got one hour. I was like, so I'm going to set up really fast. He goes, don't listen to him. 
was, I was there for almost three hours. It was oh, great. How amazing is that? Um, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing time because I, I walked in there and I have secrets that he told. <laughs> it was, oh, it was fantastic. Sure. It was off the record, but I do have the the audio version of it. But in the article, I did point out the fact that Stan had this. You know, you would think Stan has everything Marvel. He was right. a big DC fan. Sure. And it, there was a big, the, this picture of him opening up his shirt, and, it was, and there, there's Superman S. I do remember he did a project where he kind of headed up a crossover between Marvel and DC or something like that. It was a Stanley Presents the DC Universe. It okay. was, what if Stan uh, in, uh, created Superman and all these characters, how he would have created them. And it was great. It was, I, I was like, so uh, yeah. officially Stan was also a DC employee. And, uh, really at that, um, yeah, because he created, I mean, that was for DC comics. I guess he did. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what was interesting is, is that Stan was sitting next, there's a, a picture of Stan next to Superman and it was crazy because I was, and I, I just thought it was weird that uh, I was like, you have this, and and by that time, I think Stan really wasn't an employee. Of, they, I think they called him a a, a producer emeritus or or a, a editor emeritus. Sure, you know, and he had his own company, Powell. It, it was a time. special guest star, right? Basically. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it was, but it was great. It was it was great to talk to him and and uh, and and learn. It was like a master class of how to become a genius, and it was yeah. it felt like. No, it was really was actually. It was as I pointed out. It was like I, I sat with Walt Disney or Einstein or Elvis or the Beatles, and, you did. and, and he yeah. was so amazing at everything he did, including mm-hmm. managing his own brand. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Stan. Stan was exactly the way you expected him every time you met him. Right. There was no more. Oh, Stan was in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any of that. No, he was you know? never in a bad mood. It didn't seem like it. Everybody I talked to seems who's who's around. I've had friends that worked at Stanley Media originally, and then before Pow and and um, Stan always seemed like he was always in a good mood, and he was always. It seemed like he's worked with everybody in the industry. Because right. if you remember when when he passed away, my entire Facebook was filled with everybody who hung out with Stan. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean in this industry, we know it yeah. imploded. You know, Facebook was just right. sad that day. Yeah. You know? it, even more than, but I'm talking about like when David Bowie died, when Prince died, or any of these other people died, it was like, okay, great. Every maybe uh, one quarter of, of the pictures, if at best, had had a picture of David Bowie. And they, they, they right. this one, literally every single person posted Stanley. Um, did you know influence me and so yeah I mean, he he needs to he's one of these guys that you know he'd put on the bill a dollar bill or something you know i mean yeah he's sure just did. that influential what kind of uh footprint mm-hmm. he left yeah one man not a lot of men or women leave that large of a footprint on our society right and he did like yeah. a worldwide global footprint that won't go away no it won't and I think what was great about him is that, uh, uh, you know, the the, the the two takeaways, well, a couple of take, a few takeaways that I did get from from the interview was number one, I mean, Marvel Comics was uh, Martin Goodwin was his second cousin uh, and uh, who owned Marvel. Um, he was there at, when it was originally timely. Timely, right? And um, and then Stan said that he had something like six to eight months left because they they were going to shut down Marvel because the sales were so bad. And and he told me he's like, well, he was told just make anything, and they talked about Justice League. Justice League, of all things, actually, pretty much inspired the creation of Marvel Comics, of course. And so, right. um, so he and and uh, Fantastic Four turned out to be decent enough so that that Marvel was going to continue, and then Spider Man took off, and then, you know. Um, actually, what was it? I think the timeline was Fantastic Four, the Hulk, and then Spider Man, right? I'm not, that sounds more that yeah. sounds about accurate. And because um, the Hulk didn't really take off, actually, it, it was they. I think they did six or seven issues, and then and then he was in a what was it? Astos- Astonishing Tales? Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember tales, what the. Um, it's all the stuff I I just read. You know how we right. are when we were kids. You read the 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 history of Marvel comics or DC sure. comics. 
And I got a book in there. I should have brought it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, so I think, I think, um, that was one of the takes away that, that being desperate, you know, and, and he was a, he was 40, 41 years old at the time. And he just felt like I'm a failure. I wanted to be the great American novelist. I wanted to be an actor. And lo and behold, what it was, he became the cameo of all cameos. Yeah, he was he was know? the actor that he always wanted to be, and he was also yeah. the great American novelist times ten. That's actually really cool. If you know, he's in his early forties. That's mm-hmm. where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, sometimes you feel, oh man. This is as far as I've got so far, mm-hmm. you know. You know how did I? Did I? Should I stick with it? You know, and right. Hollywood's a rough business, you yeah. know. And so that, that's got to feel pretty good when you think about that because I got time, you know. As long well, as I you treat know, my body right, and you know, yeah, you know, well, God willing, you know, or everything's gonna yeah, keep working. D- and it, that's all <laughs> depending on what you what you're creating. I mean, I mean, Grandma Moses. I mean, obviously, Grandma Moses, the painter, was what seventy two years old uh, when she, you know, she came out there when when um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, who created uh, Little House on the Prairie. Um, she was 65 years old when she wrote the series. Yeah. Um, you think of Morgan Freeman was what, early 40s, mid 40s, when he, first he got his hit. first job. Right. I, no, not the first job, but when he actually started getting something together. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just people, you know, it just depends on, on what you want to do and where you are. And I think with Stan, you know, I mean, the time is right. I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, Jack was about was older than him. He was like 50 yeah, right. by that time. And and so imagine you had, you were like, I think Jack was about 22, I think when he created Captain America, something like that with Joe Simon. And then uh, early, you know, uh, mid, mid 40s or so when he created the, um, whatever. I think it was yeah. Challenges of the Unknown for DC. And then... I got to say, his Captain America design is, it was surprisingly... Um, received right uh, and and for someone to nail something that could have been so cheesy mm-hmm. just to come off and just work like that yeah I mean it, that that that's the kind of mind that we want you know yeah. it's like uh, but man with um, you know with Kirby and all these people you know doing so well later on in life mm-hmm. that's encouraging yeah. Well, I mean, and, the, and again, it's just your imagination. I think. I think both you know, me and you are in this create, create, create. Right. That's what I want. <laughs> mentality. Right. And um, guys, that we what we see people that we see going away. I I, I definitely could see like, well, I I better do something about this mm-hmm. while, while I still got it. Uh, you know the 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 problem about we well, I think you just mentioned about um, creativity. Uh, no, um, the the uh, striving for perfection kills the creativity. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It's just you you try too hard about and worry about the things mm-hmm. that have no place in in the creative process. Right. It's over. There's a lot of overthinking, and yeah. I think it's interesting because you know having worked, I was a film executive, and I've worked in in various. You know, you you go through the industry, and and people talk. You know, they raise money, they do this, and they and they have to wait on on different things to happen. You know, to to allow them to create. And here's the thing: it's like there was so much overthinking that people end up not doing something. Sure. And so when people people talk about, well, let's let, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that, but ultimately, if it if it still ends up a zero. It's a zero, as if you've never even Absolutely. attempted it. Yeah. And so, so I think, I think, I, I don't um, care if you start the idea. Yeah. And you beat the crap out of the idea, yeah. but you get something out of it. Just put it out. Like, yeah. just put it out. You know, Stanley put, put out all those monster stories that, are, that, that weren't that great. Some of them were great. Maybe one twentieth of the stories, maybe. Right. Or he had were, to put it out there. Yeah. If it was in his brain, he had to get it out of his he brain. He had to get it out there. And and and, and what's all, what's interesting also, he um 
he just regurgitated a lot of the same stories over and over again. You, you saw a lot of in those yeah. monster stories where you go, oh, he repeated it again. He just re in, in a in a different form, and so it, you either you can do that and yeah. you don't notice it because the character wins, right? Or you know, like you see movies. You see the same movies over and over. Right. It's just one works, one don't. Yeah. And things, <laughs> characters can evolve. I mean, I, I think the, the thing is that, that you don't want to put out the character perfect. You want to see the, the like the, the Incredible Hulk started out as a gray character. You know, he's gray and he, right. he was fully, um, he has had certain amount of intelligence. And then after that, he, he turned green and, and he turned out to be a brute. And then you know, on and off, different different iterations of the same character. And so I think right. Superman, you you know, Batman, Batman especially has has multiple different you know multiple costumes. And yeah. oh, by the way, I should say, actually mention that we're talking about the Titans show. Oh right. I think what was cool about that show, um, it's hard to show pe- people. You know, there's a lot of mixed reviews, not reviews, but actually the mixed. Um, the reactions by fanboys where they said oh i don't like this one and some people said it it looks fantastic and looks great others said it's it's trash and i think i think it's interesting because i personally wouldn't write it the way it is right now in terms of of the language right but i love it just because it is the, the heart and the soul of dc comics uh, but at the same time, it's it's a little bit different different from the CW shows. It, it's different from it's just the fact that the they're interview. doing it. Yeah, and That's and what, what I always say to that argument mm-hmm. is like, oh, you've never read Elseworlds, right? You know, because or or you haven't, and if you've been in comics, mm-hmm. you haven't been in them too long, right? Because you're oh, it's not like the books. What? Well, come on, every writer, mm-hmm. every artist. Something changes, yeah. And if you can't go with the flow, mm-hmm. you, you can't enjoy it, right? You know, and, and why would I stifle myself because it wasn't like the exact first book I read? Mm-hmm. Why why would I judge it like that? It's not my creation, right? I have to leave room to be entertained, and, and that, people and I, don't leave room, right? And I think I think um, the the companies DC and Marvel should. I mean, their DC's tradition of in their in their, I mean, DC's tradition was always about the multiverse and and these weird, unique stories. You know, you look right. you look at. I, I went back and I started reading. I was looking at all these Superman and Batman stories from the 1950s and Wonder Woman, and 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 they weren't cohesive. There was there were all every other issue was an Elseworlds story. Sure, it was kind it's, of one it, shots, right? You know? And it just yeah. says, "Just imagine Superman in the future. Just imagine, you know, uh, Jimmy Olsen becoming a superhero and not being, you know, or or he, if he was well, an so alien." I, I picked up those yeah. what if books, right? You know, because it was like you could read like, "Oh, I'm reading about the Skrull invasion," mm-hmm. but what if it didn't work? Mm-hmm. You know, what if the Avengers lost? You know, right. I love that stuff. And and that's the thing that's the, that's their forte. Marvel was always about the the the, the cohesive singular universe, which surround. Uh, I mean, a lot of the adventures um, centered around New York City. Sure. And, and DC was always about you know multiverses. And and different variations of the same superhero, and and I think that's what I mean. That's a, the upcoming CW crossover is called Elseworlds. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's they're they're introducing. Oh, I don't know if you saw it, but but actually, the original Flash from 1990, John Wesley Ship plays that that Flash in in that in that uh, oh, crossover, cool. and they are introducing Batwoman. Um, they've got Lois and Clark. And um, but they're on the original Smallville set. Wow! So this Elseworlds is like, oh wow! They they're actually tapping into the different parts of the DC universe, and it's and it's like, but fans should be like, this is amazing because they are. This is the history of DC being yeah. played out, and also same thing with Titans. I'm as why there's a the latest episode of Titans I saw the other night was with Jason Todd. Right. The fact that there's Dick Grayson and Jason Todd were actually at that the point, and then two weeks ago they had the the Doom Patrol, and and the week before that was Hawk and the Dove in that one. And but here's the kicker: I thought it was fantastic. The Batmobile 
in the episode. They showed a quick flash of it in a, in a flashback, and Dick Grayson walks past it. It is the Batmobile from the Batman animated series. Really? Yeah. That's my favorite Batmobile. It's in Titans. <laughs> it was in Titans. That's but here's awesome. okay, but that's not the only Batmobile that was in the Batcave in that flashback. There was an over the, the behind the, the so they had this this medium shot of or close up of, of Dick Grayson, and as they panned across, right behind Dick Grayson was the other Batmobile, which is Batman sixty six. Very nice. And I, I, I freaked out. I think all the fans were going, "That's canon now." Like it, it's in the Titan sure. show, yeah, and it's not strictly the Nolan or Nolan or the Snyder right. or or Tim Burton version. It's like the Batman universe officially has all has live action versions of all these. Yeah, that's pretty you, epic. That's what From I love animated about animated to yeah. live action. But it was in the live action. The, but yeah. the animated version was in the live action, and I could not believe it. I think you can see some screen captures on online. It was kind of like that. when you're over at Warner Brothers and you're in that Batman right. um, hangar mm-hmm. with all the cars over the years and everything. I mm-hmm. just working that into the show is right. That's epic. It's it's all in the shows and <laughs> and, and the fact that you know, I mean you see the trails are Aquaman and he's got his original costume on. You know. Yeah, I did see finally like the orange kind of shirt right. on him. Like, People are like, "You pulled that off." Yeah, he's wow. actually wearing it. It was actually cool. Yeah, it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't stupid. I'm like, he looks like Aquaman. Yeah, um, I'm really the, looking forward to that. The gauntlet. I mean, his his gloves turned into a gauntlet, and it was like, oh, this looks really great. Mira looks looks like Mira. Right. Everybody looks Black Manta. It, they didn't they didn't try to make his 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 um uh, what is it the the kind of kind of the kind helmet. of the helmet of his yeah. into something smaller and cooler they kept the big big crazy yeah I, I helmet really and it shocked. looks really cool and it does you know you know i've seen a couple of stills of it and then when i saw that trailer i'm like mm. oh this works he looks scary yeah he looks really scary that's what that's what you know i can't imagine the but, actor running around with that thing on his head <laughs> you know he was how many times did he trip he felt gonna, yeah it was that's yeah, true I'm sure we're gonna see the gag reel on that one yeah he's like with the helmet you know you know I yeah he looked he looked menacing like boba fett he felt like boba fett to yeah me. i agree so the same vibe and, then, and again I, that's why i think i think for us, us fans just imagine i mean every single night you're watching a a, a a a comic book show, like every single week. I have is not, my Wednesday. Yeah, I I, I have not <laughs> on on television. come home to watch yeah. almost anything else, mm-hmm. other than trying to get through these Netflix shows. Right, and so like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm watching Daredevil third season with my mm-hmm. wife, um, and I'm watching second season of Iron Fist. Wow, yeah, and it's like this is if I would I couldn't have guessed this when I was a kid. Yeah. Especially characters like Iron Fist, right? Or, I mean, like Iron. Like, think about it. When you th- when you're watching the Iron Fist and you're watching the Defenders and you're thinking, the daughters of the dragon are on the show. The yeah. Kingpin is on the show, and Misty Knight and and all you know they're they're all on the show. Or I'm watching like like I'm watching Titans and I'm thinking. Right. So you just had the second episode had Hawk and the Dove. Which is you know yeah. the the fourth or the fifth episode had the Doom Patrol, and which was played by you know I mean I, I mean Robot Man was came to life and it was exactly Robot Man that it was the Grant Morrison Robot Man. That's so wild, same, right? Same art direction. I saw. A still. Yeah, yeah. I think it was his name. Uh, oh, not Gerard Ways. Who's uh, what's his name? Nick Nick, Nick Darrington, who uh, oh, who's, okay. who's drawing the current. Doom Patrol, which I love. Gerard's still writing. He's still writing, writing yeah. This one, okay. Um, but Nick Darrington is just one of my favorite artists. So um, we we talk on Facebook a lot. So. Nice. Um, he is he's fantastic. He's one of my favorite artists. It's nice and, to be able to know people in the industry to just get their like little backstories yeah. on this character. Or that. Oh, he's great, and he's he lives in Texas. So, um, but he uh, Doom Patrol. But then the fact that Jason Todd, I'm watching Jason Todd. And he's referencing how he tried to to you know he he tells Dick Grayson well you know Batman caught me trying to steal his the hubcaps off of the Batmobile I'm like that's the comic book right right yeah. I mean he I mean like they the references in 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 there and and the fact that in a few weeks we're gonna see that 
a, a crossover that's called Elseworlds on the CW. That's pretty epic, man. And I mean, Batwoman's on there. My right. My my son is a massive DC fan. Mm-hmm. Like he likes that more than anything right. else. My son Jacob. Sure. And you know I've. I both for sure. I'm a little heavier on Marvel on some mm-hmm. stuff right. lately. Yeah, but um, I always go back and forth. Yeah. I'm more DC, but but there there are times when I was just like purely yeah, something brings me over to the I'm Marvel. Like, hey, yeah, hey, I'll be you know? like Jim Starlin. I like some, the, right? what brings me over to Marvel a lot is of course Jack Kirby. You know, yeah, but the the especially the Fantastic Fours. I go back and See, I go. I love the space stuff, yeah. and yeah. so he he also yeah. my son loves. A Green Lantern is his favorite. Right, right. And so that's, I love that space stuff. Mm-hmm. So in all the darkest night, mm-hmm. you know, brightest day stuff, which right. really just fire, man. It right. was just amazing yeah. stuff. But getting to see the look on his face uh-huh. when he gets to watch something like on, you know, it, it, we have our own must-see TV now. Yeah. You know? Is he is he old enough to watch the well, Titans? He's 23. Well, so, you should yeah. be watching the Titans. It, we, we haven't got the streaming yet, but uh, but we were. Watching, I need to be bringing it over here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we just started watching. Um, oh no, we we finished Runaways. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and so that was such a fringe piece of Marvel. Right, and it's, the fact and that that happened, and he hasn't watched it yet. I just watched the first episode of Cloak and Dagger. Right, and uh, I'm like, well, if you like that, you're gonna roll right into this, and. Um, Isn't that weird that that like I can just say hey Runaways and The Gifted and yeah you know Gifted's incredible right the effects on that show oh yeah fantastic yeah. and and yeah. and the fact that like I was watching Krypton and they had General Zod but uh, but I need, I need to see that also okay you need to watch it because so that behind, man. because it felt <laughs> so cinematic like it was the best I thought to myself wow they the brainiac that they had in there was exactly the comic books he was trying to steal um what is it can uh candor oh right right bottle city of candor and and general zod was in there he was the, the the premise of the show is general zod we find out adam strange um goes back to the past because i think he's sent by the justice league or something like that really they reference the justice league and and so what happens is that he, he because they they find out that superman never existed and somebody did something and he thought it was brainiac who went back to the past only to find out it wasn't brainiac it was general zod who changed the timeline Wow. And okay, that's cool. Okay, and then, but here's what's crazy about it: um, he did change the timeline, and would, and then the next season, I think, oh, they they just announced uh, they actually showed Lobo. Lobo's in, in the next season, and um, <laughs> and they referenced, I think, the the Owens, and I was like, I'm thinking to myself, this, but just that show alone, yeah. And then you jump to Titans. And then they're spinning off Doom Patrol. They've got they've got Swamp Thing, and they're doing oh they're going to production with Star Girl and the Justice Society of America, which was introduced in the CW shows. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, you said Star Girl. I, I said one of my favorite comics of all time is that run of Starman. Right. Oh yeah. And Isn't that great? If that's ever done, I think they're doing it. Oh, yeah, they're doing. They're gonna do it all. I mean, man, it's only a matter of time at this point. Right. It's I mean, like I, I can't wait. I I want to see Howard the Duck. Yeah. I want to see Howard the Duck on the the Mar- the, the Disney streaming. At, you know, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I like that uh, Tom Hiddleston Loki show. Yeah. Perfect. Give right. It to me. Uh, <laughs> the Bucky Falcon team up. Like like how do? I mean, if you were a kid and you said, "Hey, you know what? It's gonna be so. We're gonna dominate so much that you're gonna see." A Bucky, like, like like a comic book every week, yeah, live yeah. action. Like when I look at it, I go, you know, you know, I, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of other comic book fans, and they go, we didn't ask for this. I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. We didn't ask for Howard the Duck, and we didn't ask for for a, a Supergirl Supergirl comic, but no. they were still amazing. Oh yeah, right. No. I mean, it's just it's it, it's, it's amazing a, what is even. I. I I'm flabbergasted by what's out there right now. Yeah. You had told my nine-year-old self that this is happening. I mean, you're, nah. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> you sit down, and that's why I think, I think, I, I, I think it, I, amongst our friends, a lot of times when I, I get so frustrated because they're going, we never asked for this. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm watching, I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's not like it's 19, what, 97, and if, if Batman bombed, you know, the, I think the thinking back then was, if just one superhero movie bombed, we'll never have another one for the next five years. Right. There are no bombs. 
if Venom can make eight hundred million dollars, and, and we've not had, have Spider Man in it, and not have Spider Man in it, but 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 here's the thing: it, the, the last two years worth, two and a half years of of superhero movies, there has not been a bomb. Think yeah. about it. There has right. not been a bomb. I mean, even Justice League made seven hundred million dollars, right? Six hundred eighty. It's it's just right? going to work. It's just going to work. Just hope it's written well. Yeah. Hope it's. You know, and, and, and they not, can afford to have a bomb. That's what's so funny. Sure. But we haven't had a bomb in a long, long time. And then Deadpool could come out and totally make fun of Green Lantern, right? And nobody cares, and everybody and it's still meta. wants a Green Lantern. And he refer- references, he goes, he Character references he the DC universe. Yeah. And you're thinking, the fact that he referenced the DC universe means that it's all canon. Means that there's an unofficial team up. Uh, yeah, like a right. And there's a crossover. Right, right, if he, and if he mentions the Green Lantern, there's a crossover. So, <laughs> and well, they, I mean, it went back to Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man number one when he's, he referenced, he says Shazam, and you're thinking, right? right? Yeah, he says Shazam. I'm thinking to myself, oh, so it is part of canon, like, and, you, and, it went, and Aunt May says, you're not Superman, right? Peter, you do so much, you're not Superman. I'm like, that's one thing <gasps> cool about the Marvel Universe. Right? They base all their locations off real locations. Mm-hmm. And so they can easily reference DC Comics as their comics. Right, as their know? comic books. And they have it several times. Well, what's interesting, they do that in the CW shows, where yeah. they, re- they do, I think, I, I think Cisco referenced a few Marvel uh, superheroes and Star Wars, of course. And, sure. And, uh, but but it's, just, it's just really interesting to think that you, you can just throw away these references. The fact that actually on, on Green Arrow, on, on Arrow... Ray Zal Ghul or Rosh Al Ghul, depending on which show or movie yeah, it was, right. was on that show, and yet at the same time he was also on Gotham. Mm. Yeah, that's you that know? whole Elseworld thing. It's just right. whatever stream of conscious they're following on their show. Right, they have the freedom to do it. And, but that's the other thing we don't complain about it when the animated series like there's Batman Brave and the Bold and then there then there was Batman animated sure. series and then they they restarted and they had they they retold the or, the same origins in a different way. Yeah. And are and, you ever going to get a better Mr. Freeze no. than a Batman the animated series? Right. I well, mean, I mean hopefully I we know. can. Maybe. That would be great. That's the point. Is is that you can yeah. and Nora Freeze, by the way, is also on in the the era the Elseworlds crossover coming up too. Dude, She's in there. So good. Arkham Asylum is in there. That could be one of my favorite books ever. Right. You know. So so when you think, yeah, it was so, so great. Yeah. Grant Morrison, right? The yeah, thing absolutely. Is, that was such an amazing. And there, I mean, speaking of Grant Morrison, they adapted Happy. Oh yeah, I heard about that. That was a TV. I mean, I, I mean, there's so much stuff that that like you just you're like, oh, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be like the one thing that come right. out, you all saw it. You saw it. But now it's just... There's so much. Everywhere. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, Watchmen's coming out. You know? Yeah. Like the continuation. And it's not just a continuation. It's also going back in, in the history of Watchmen. And I'm thinking, it's on, it's going to be on HBO. <laughs> I mean, Watchmen, I mean, Batwoman's getting her own show. Black Lightning's on. I mean, right. think about that. Black Lightning... How the heck is Black Lightning, like hey, the most the random character? Five episodes. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see them all get together. You know, I mean, once it, they wanted to establish him him first, which is nice. I, I think. Yeah, I think everybody should be established a little. Yeah, bit, and know? sometimes, and we have time. I think. I think what's great is that we don't have to have them all. Hey, immediately everyone shows up. Let them let them breathe a little bit. Let them get get sure. get to know. I want to get to know the characters, it, and it's just because you know. one star can't play that character mm-hmm. anymore. We don't have to start it over. It's like a new artist, and that's what I'm we're, okay with this, right? You know, like if if Cavill's not going to be Superman anymore, right. uh, it's okay if someone else is, right? Because it's, it's, it's it can Superman. continue. It's not him, Cavill. Yeah, it's Superman. It's a new artist coming yeah, in. Yeah, it's a new artist, and, and what's amazing about it is. Is to see something like well, going back. I mean, the, that Elseworlds crossover coming up has the original John Wesley ship. John Wesley ship is playing the Flash on that episode. Yeah, That's I mean, cool. he's played both, you know, Jay Garrick Flash, you know, Henry Allen, and now he's playing the Flash again. 
and then and Lois and Clark are on the small original Smallville set. The new Lois and Clark right now, uh, you know, in on the Supergirl series, are gonna be on the original Smallville set. Wow! And and it was like that. That's fantastic. That's amazing. That yeah, I'll you take know, it. I'll take it. Man. I'll take it. <laughs> Because I've seen all these different variations, I thought was Krypton was great because they had the uh, they had the pre Fortress of Solitude, and I'm thinking to myself, but it's exactly the comic books. Yeah, like 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 we're not we're, the the comic. What's strange is that the comic books had adopted or adapted the feature. I mean, Superman the movie into sure. the comic books, and yet they went back out, and then in the the new live action versions, they also added. The original comic book versions of it, you know, oh, so of Krypton. Oh, so that's funny. I nice. guess you got to come up with a name for this because we've had Silver Age, we've had Golden Age, Bronze Age. I, I think this is the Spoiled Age. The Spoiled Age. <laughs> spoiled exactly. Again, I would never. That's the thing. I don't want to. I, I have a, for me is a whole new outlook. And we talked about like, hey, listen, you know, life is too short. Just yeah. create. Um, so going back to I, for me, the what drives me into creating every single day is to be like, like a little kid. I don't want to be like a lot of my friends. I'll look on the social media, and I can't believe they're 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 complaining about certain right. properties. When I'm when I'm thinking, if you don't like that one, that's okay because you know you did like Guardians of the Galaxy, and if you didn't like Iron Man the way that was done, you still liked Ant Man. Sure, you know. Or I like I, to say, if you don't like it, make your own. Right. And I actually right. took some time off reading other people's books. I stopped all my comic subscriptions, and I've, I just, I need to give in to my stories, right? Because if if I have one little bit of complaint in my head, I'm not that artist. I, I don't judge what he's doing. No, I'll just make my it's own his own work. And so let me try my own thing, right? And I and I did, and it was it was cool. Mm. And I was just happy to do it, and I started getting into it a little bit more, and mm. you know, like. I buy two books now. It's funny. I buy Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. the new one, and uh, West Coast Avengers, okay. which I haven't got to read yet, but the new Fantastic Four is amazing. I got to read that one. It is epic. Yeah. It's been a while since I, Fantastic Four has been around, and, yeah. and I did like, I think the last one was, oh gosh, there was that one artist who drew it, and it reminded me of, of a combination of Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott together the way he drew it it would didn't look exactly like it sure, it was like it yeah. was a more refined version of it if that makes any sense no, but he was also on Justice Society and I can't remember his his name right now but he I was big titles like that have had the pleasure of so many different artists mm-hmm. and and the ones they got right now I, I I don't even know their names I mean yeah my bad for not because yeah it really was and we could get around to it, I think. I, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I just I, I knew every single everything that was going. On. I, I still do know to to an extent. I just don't have time to read, but I think uh, um, all the time. Right. But I think for me, uh, it, it, like you said, going back to that concept of hey, if you don't like something, you just create something new. I mean, we're able to do that. I, I do that with my music a lot of times. When I think they're not doing this kind of music, so I, I'll just go and go how would david bowie have done this and so i'll create sure. my own how did right now when you're yeah. doing your movie mm-hmm. and you're doing all those tracks and all the all the songs in mm-hmm. it and the comic and everything um you're, you're getting to taste all of it and prove yourself on all of it at least to yourself you know yeah. just to well, go I'm, I'm gonna do this well that's the fun part because i i've always uh you know i will I, i'll do one track and and it was it's um I'll think of think to myself, how would, what would Elvis and the Beatles? I mean, when they when the Beatles went over to um, Elvis's Hollywood mansion, I think, uh, Bel Air mansion, to visit him when they came out here, according to legend, um, and, and supposedly they had they jammed a little bit, and I thought to wow. myself, what would that sound like? And so I wrote a song. The way that maybe that's what they would have sounded like if Elvis was on the was on the vocals and 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 according to Paul McCartney he was playing Elvis was learning bass at the time. You're not going to get a more liquid um, band than the Beatles because yeah. every track they did was completely different. Right. Like we're going to try this. Yeah. Experimental was their name. Well, that's a, that's the thing. And then to play with Elvis, mm-hmm. what, 
that man, that's groovy, man. <laughs> well, that was that was my premise of the doing the album. Was like, what if every? I mean, you know, I, I was reading this. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you you'll see Robert Plant talking about the the the, the times he met Elvis, him and him and and Jimmy Page, and um, Robert Plant's eyes are like, I couldn't believe. Elvis talked to us and we spent, you know, three hours talking about music mm. about, and I'm like, what, but, but Robert, tell us exactly. I want to know what the three hours sounded like, right? Like what was Elvis telling you? And because all I can remember is I'd see was the way that Robert Plant said, you don't understand, man. Elvis told us all these things that was, you know, and this amazing. is why I like these long interviews right? because <laughs> If imagine that talking with him, right, and getting some of those stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, how fantastic would that be? You know, I mean, that's that's you know that that's something that was right. Or or I think Dwight Yoakam talked about. Uh, he said that he was talking to David Bowie, and Bowie told him um, Elvis called him up a year before he died, and he said, "I would love to do an album with you." And the reason why I think that how that was set up was. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, because David Bowie, You're right. you know, David Bowie's a big Elvis fan, of course, but, sure. but you know, the uh, he mentioned, I, I read somewhere, he said that Golden Years was written for Elvis, and he, Elvis told him, you know what, you should do it. You probably do it better than I can. And because, you know, I imagine. I can see that in that song. Because, right, because remember, Mac Davis wrote A Little Less Conversation that was written for Aretha Franklin, who Elvis, Elvis. was a huge fan. Sure. I think respect was one of it was one of his favorite songs, and so he said, "Let me have this, you know, a yeah, little less conversation." Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, and yeah. and so so Golden Years was really, I mean, you hear that song, it's Golden Years. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay, that is Elvis. Yeah, that is an Elvis song. It's amazing how that those kind of songs could travel like that. Yeah, yeah, you and know. or Queen. I mean, the fact uh, talking about a band that's fluid. You know, you you listen to a crazy little thing called Love, and that's a total Elvis song, of course. Yeah. And 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 uh, and Freddie Mercury uh, on the you know the live concerts, he's he does. Um, you know, Queen did Jailhouse Rock live. They did um, You're So Square, Baby, I Don't Care, another Elvis tune. And uh, and you see, and you think, oh, that was that was one of his influences. But what was great about Queen? or George Michael, or the Beatles, or any of these other people, Prince, what influenced me and what inspired me to, into the album was when Elvis did his thing, or the Beatles did their thing, or the Stones did it in the 60s, the Beatles did Motown, right? They covered Motown. Sure. And and, and then they did R&B. Well, Motown was R&B, but they did the blues. And then eventually they had the original versions of... of Heavy metal. When you think, when you listen to, oh, yeah, right, Helter Skelter, Helter Skelter, the birthday, know. you know, yeah, and uh, so what inspired me was that you know the Beatles when they did got when Paul McCartney wrote "Got to Get You Into My Life," that was his take take on Motown. That was the Beatles doing Motown. Yeah, I could see that. And and Elvis did you know it wasn't just rockabilly. Elvis would go to something that was very operatic because he was a big huge fan. Of, he was a huge fan of opera, like Queen, right? Right. And so and you think, oh, that's what it's now or never was, you know? Sure. I mean, he's, it's very operatic in that way, and and, and so he went from gospel to right you know, everything, everything, you know? right? R and B, blues, country, country. Yeah. And so so these albums back then. You listen to Queen, and on the same album, uh, the first single was "Crazy Little Thing Called Love," but also on that same album was another one, "Bites of Dust," which is a pretty much a disco song, right? Yeah, it's wild. And you think of George Michael doing his take on Elvis with Faith, and then the rest of the album, like "I Want Your Sex," was basically R and B, yeah. you know, Prince. Prince was doing his; he reinvented rockabilly when you when you listen to. Delirious. I get delirious. Oh, right. Whenever you're near. That's like a, that's an Elvis song. And so when you go and yeah. look at your album and, and these, all these songs that you've put together. Right. For the soundtrack of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the top things that you think you picked out? I mean, just as far as like, I mean, was, was there a lot of Elvis to it or? Was well, there... Elvis was a, was a through line. 
I know that okay. sounds weird, but no, but everything sense. that everything that at I at least it'll it'll all revolve around. Something. Yeah, yeah. Elvis and the Beatles. Oh, actually, I, I should say Elvis and the Beatles were the through line because I looked at it and I thought, you look at Mark Bolan, uh, you know, of of um, of uh, you know, bang a gong, get it on. Oh, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, T Rex, right? T-Rex, okay. Mark Bolan was a huge Elvis fan. You know, you listen to the, the the materials that he he did, and he was very much inspired by Elvis. I mean, you see in the documentary, he says that um, Jim Morrison of the Doors was a huge Elvis fan. You know, he was trying to be Elvis and Sinatra, and you think, oh, that's what his voice is—a combo of Elvis and Sinatra. Yeah, that's what I'll he was trying to, to do. Do it again, just to I just think about that. Listen to it very carefully, and you'll really—I mean, listen to "Touch Me." Come on, come on, come on, touch me, babe. Oh, yeah, that's totally Sinatra. Yeah, I can't can you that. see that? I, and and you think about that. He was very, he was very, you know, Billy Idol, yeah, Elvis, right? He's got the sneer. He's doing all everything he was doing was was a punk he, Elvis. Orbison, you know, Orbison. <laughs> right, you know. Um, so David Bowie, obviously, yeah, you know, another you know blonde Elvis, who Elvis was blonde in real life. Yeah, um, the Beatles, of course. Uh, you know, every single one of these, you know, Prince. He's listened to "Let's Go Crazy." And that's a you know that's a very Elvis Elvis tune. I could see that. Um, Jimi Hendrix, the first the the thing that inspired him. If you go to the Hendrix Museum, I think the Experience, I think it's what's called. You'll see um, this drawing he made of in nineteen from nineteen fifty seven, when fourteen year old Jimi Hendrix went to an Elvis concert, and he wrote he drew Elvis uh, a picture of Elvis, and then on the side was the his notes of. The, the set list that Elvis sang. Wow. That was Jimi Hendrix, right? Yeah. So the, James Brown was close friends with Elvis Presley. Elvis. So that, that so I guess my, my through line. That was the through line. That was, the, yeah. It's literally. Everything anyway, so. Yeah, you know. that, was the, that was the through line. So I was inspired by Elvis, uh, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, uh, David Bowie, is it, uh, is Prince. Is it a musical or is it just a lot of music in it? It's it's both. It's it's musical in the way that it, it's very much like Purple Rain and A Hard Day's Night, okay, which were my my inspirations. Um, but I think closer the the modern take is like tonally, it's Bohemian Rhapsody, and aesthetically, it's A Star Is Born. And both of those films were were my favorite films. Yeah, I haven't currently. seen Bohemian yet. But oh, it's fantastic. Star Is Born was. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I I just both of them. I just I, I love them. So um, that was those are my my inspirations for the album, and I wanted to do something that 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 thirty two tracks that reflected um, sections of Los Angeles, and and so you know Bob Dylan's an influence on it as well too. And, right. Um, are you going to do like, Bruce some, Springsteen some videos for these at all? Or yeah, yeah, I'm going to do some videos. I, I think it's it, it's in those the, pieces of Los Angeles that you have available that you could do with them in front of. Them. Right, right. I want to do. I yeah. want. I do have. A, I want to do uh, experiment with some of the videos. Uh, maybe do some things on green screen. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. In fact, I, I was. I want to. I want to toy with that. I want to figure out because Bohemian Rhapsody. They they did compositing. Oh, uh, those sure. are they, those weren't real, uh, you know. Whereas, A Star Was Born, they really did do a real concert, and in, in, I think they did Coachella and some of the other places, sure. and nobody realized that they were actually filming A Star Is Born when they were doing it. A lot of these, yeah, yeah. a lot of these movies, you have to you have to build your crowds off of. Right. There's crowds there, mm-hmm. but there's small crowds of extras that they mm-hmm. have to multiply. Right, and they and that's what they did. I think yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody literally they composited and. And I thought, that's kind of cool. I like that. I, and it'd be kind of, I, I, I probably need to do some compositing. Sure. Um, like I, I worked on a, a, a tennis commercial. And they oh, yeah. and they're like, yeah, it can't be just a regular tennis place. Uh, you know, match, it's got to be big and epic because it's on a commercial. And so we built a stadium and filled it in with people. Wow. And it looked legit. How did you do? You oh, we'll, we'll talk about offline. Yeah. That would be great. To <laughs> just compositing, you know. It's, uh, I'll have to learn that. Yeah. With some in. It's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that would be uh, that that's what I want to do. I want to do something that's very original, but it's also like it's a micro budget film, and it's one of those things where I don't have to pay. I don't know how much it costs nowadays to to get into recording studio, but I I am my own recording studio and I am my own producer. Right. 
I don't have to pay anybody to do my own comic books because I do the comic books. I write and draw. The only, the only expense is your effort. Right, my effort. And I've got the cameras. We've got the cameras, and I got my crew, my friends, right. and so why not? A little it's, love into it, and then you right. got it. Right, exactly. Well, I, I'm ex- I'm stoked to see what you got out of this. Um, I, it's going to be intense. Yeah. Uh, what you know, kind of going back into, how did you get into Hollywood? Um, what what was the first thing that kind of brought you into working? Uh, you know, basically, uh, my brother had gotten here uh, before me, and he would he had created a show called Johnny Bravo. And right. I came a few years right. after. Also based on Elvis. Right. <laughs> Elvis, uh, Joe Michael Jackson, and I think sure. James Dean was uh, a little bit of Fonzie, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and so um, so I got in and uh, and I had I had done. You know, as a um, storyboard, storyboard artist, worked on, and but I wanted to do film, so I I was an assistant for a producer on 20th Century Fox. Okay, and then I kind of worked my way up. That's where you got executive, in, executive. You know, yeah, to start getting your yeah your, your chops up. Right. So so that was a the that was the main thing for me was was you know getting in and. Um, and then meeting other people like you and everybody else. I mean, just a wide range of different people and it is a job networking. of networking. Networking and yeah. when I was an exec, what was interesting was to be working with people on projects that never went anywhere, but it was just fun. Like George Romero on Shadow Man. Oh, wow! I mean, I still have his notes and I still have his scriptment that he did for Shadow Man. I, um, that would have been wild. Yeah, it was great because uh, my yeah. friend Ernest Dickerson was going to direct it, and, and and George actually wrote the was writing the screenplay, and uh, an executive producer on it. Mm. Um, I think, you know, um, a good friend of mine, Tracy Kirby. We were developing all the Jack Kirby properties for for uh, Warner Brothers. Right. And um, it's just the the hardest part at the time. The people didn't understand. Now it's just like I'm sure that the very things like New Gods. Right is in development right now. You know, Eva DuVernay and, and other you know other Kirby properties are all in development in there. And sure, um, and so it, it'll it's going to be really amazing to see. You know, I mean, you see them on 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 the CW shows. You see them on, right. on the variations on on the other. I mean, you saw them on the on the DC movies. You yeah, know? no, was... Kirby was there. So he's he's every he's literally him and Stan are everywhere in the. Yeah, movies and television. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it's so cool that you got to work directly with his daughter and getting things going that way. It was fun. You know. It was fun to, to to develop the material, and, and Tracy and I had a really good time on it. And um, They've got other people on it, but that's fine. I mean, I, I think my focus right now is to create, is to take everything that I've learned and, and uh, been inspired and just actually create my own stuff. And But every single day for me is just to wake up in the morning and... If I just do a sketch, that's cool. And then, if I'm not working on, Get it on moving, yeah. right? If I'm not doing a, any freelance work, then I'll, I'll write a different song, write another song. I've written hundreds of songs already. So, sure. but for the real good film, I did write about 120 songs and counting, and I recorded about 60 of them. So yeah, half of them, pretty great, man. Yeah. And you got musicians with you? No, I- just me. Just you? Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm well, that's multi-instrumentalist, so. <laughs> that, you up the difficult rating. <laughs> that's good stuff, though. What well, you know, aside from films, aside from the creation that you're doing, um, what what is your what is your what is your passion other otherwise? I know I know you do. You've done teaching. You've done you know that kind of thing. Yeah, passion. Yeah, I I, I want to like replicate. I mean, more more Renaissance men and women, Renaissance people. Invest in them. Too. Yeah, invest in them and, yeah. and, and, and have people create. And, and, and creating a community of people and collaboration, because we can. I mean, think about it. Robert Rodriguez did, did El Mariachi for $7,000. Right. And that's really, that money was just mostly spent on film. Right. And we don't have to spend money on film. Right. Yeah, we, we got that out of the equation. Right. Right. Well, so that's what you know. One of the what, things I wanted to why I asked you that is mm-hmm. just because I could tell when I met you that you didn't operate towards you weren't going for the money. Right. You were going for the relationship. 
Yeah, and yeah. that's one thing that I appreciated because you could see that. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I've, being in up here for 20 years now, mm-hmm. you could see the other side pretty quick too. Mm-hmm. You know, when they just want you for this, mm-hmm. uh, they'll keep you in your pocket for this. Right. And they only call for this, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and when, when it could be more than that, I think that's when it's really rewarding. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we, we uh, the, the goal is to actually make history. We can. Sure. You know, I mean, whether or not it it goes out, the difference is that I don't want to ever, you know, you you talk to people and and the first thing that comes out, a lot of people will will say is that they regret not doing something. And I think, I think for me, it's the, the, to, to love and, and to be passionate and to be, you know, bold about things and, and you know, I'm not even being. I I really don't care about failure anymore. If it if I do something like, like yeah. recently, I mean, I we lo- I lost some some locations, but I, for me, I'm like, you know, because of the fire um, recently. But you know what? I don't care. I'll it, just go. I'll we'll go for it. Doesn't that say everything to the life of an artist? Yeah, it ain't good unless something is destroyed. You know, yeah, and gives you an obstacle. Right. And and that's when it's going to be better because you got to write around it. Mm-hmm. You got to move around it. Like you hear bands that don't go through anything. Mm-hmm. Their music isn't that good. No. But when they're tortured, you know, that's when it works. Well, that's what I know about history. I, I, I studied music history um, when I was working at Fox. I I went through all my my boss's files and just read like like you know, on my spare t- in my spare time, I would I would go to the Fox Library. I read the history. I, mm. I would talk to people around town, and they, if I was, if we were working for with, with George Romero, I picked his brain about the history. And um, my friend Ernest Dickerson, I used to go to his house, and and just and he would just give show me his his you know uh, collection of uh, DVDs, and 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 he had these old laser discs and. And uh, but he gave me like kind of a master class on the history of film, what I should be watching. Epic. And uh, so I, I I took that. I mean, there's different people, uh, which was uh, when I did the interview with Stan Lee. That was that was three hours of a great master class, of of right. And just to be with him, like like I can't even when I listen to. I'm so glad I actually recorded it. I mean, I, you know, normal. I don't know how, how other people do their interviews, but I just I needed to record it, and sure. and we sat there, and I'm still pinching myself, thinking, that's his voice, and I was actually there. Yeah, you were in the room. I was in the. I was in his office in Beverly Hills, and and we just, you know, we talked. It uh, or I remember going, um, going back to Jack Kirby, my friend Tracy, you know. His granddaughter. We, I remember going to the warehouse and oh, we were looking at daughter this, before granddaughter. Granddaughter, sorry, yeah, right. Granddaughter, and and he, we we were just sorting out the the, the Kirby uh, warehouse. Wow, and um, what what a thing to go through. Yeah, well, it was actually storage, <laughs> but I mean, the, sure, it was, but still, but it was. I mean, she showed me the the love letters that he sent Roz. The love letters was amazing because he drew on the love letters. I bet it was, you know, and he was because yeah. he was in uh, he was a soldier in the military and uh, and uh, and and he was it was just it was stunning. Like how can he, you know? To me, I was like I think to myself. Sometimes we beat ourselves up and we say, I don't think anybody was gonna, is going to be caring about what my my material if I just do this. Right. And what that's another thing that inspired me because he. You know, Stan. Uh, when you think about it, I well, I asked, I asked Stan. I said, well, "What do you? I mean, I, I look at your comic books, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody was saying. I mean, you you hear this all the time. You probably heard it that you were such a genius and everything else. And he laughed and he just said, "No, but they did call me stupid. Or no, I'm sorry, he didn't say stupid. They they did say I was an idiot. Yeah, okay." And and I'm thinking to myself, you, you you know, can you imagine like like like, like wow. people are looking at Jack Kirby's and it's Jack Kirby's letters, love letters to Roz at the time, and they said, oh how quaint, yeah. he drew on his on your on your on your love letters it's and then just letters expressed you right. Know? So it's just express. So I think that's the thing. It's like you know, I mean, you're married, so you just 
can you imagine just sending your wife something amazing like that? Even right. I, I, I love things that people made for me. I cherish that more than it. So I don't remember anything that they bought for me or they've given for me. Sure. It's that authenticity. Yeah. That but the things that way. people get made for me, no matter how imperfect it was, I will always cherish something like that because it so is. That, it speaks to the vibe that you, you create in mm-hmm. a room, you know, in your creativity. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, that's a real healthy way to think about everything, you yeah. know, and with all these people in your life that you've gone on, um, you you sat through, and sometimes you haven't been able to talk about it till it's out, or mm-hmm. sometimes they never come out. But all of these things add up to what you are right now, mm-hmm. and now's your time to prove it. You know, so you're doing it, and that, that's exciting. And it's not going to be the last thing. This is just going to be another thing, right? And the next thing you do could be totally different. That's that's lovely, man. Oh, that, that's what I love about being an artist right. is the fact that I could jump on a project and then the next project is totally different. Right. And, and, and But it's all in the same world of creativity, you know, and it still is getting me there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm gaining a new knowledge, you know. Yeah. That's why I want to do all, all the time. I mean, for me, it's always about collaboration now. You know, like, 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 because life is too short, so not why not just create oh, something and, and just put it out. I mean, to me, a lot of times I was just thinking to myself, don't hold on to this stuff. So I, 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 I released a, a preview album of, of, the, of um, my film. And knowing that these tracks are not going to be the finalized version that people are going to listen to because people, I have people ask me like why wow, you released there's like 10 tracks on that on the preview album I'm like yeah but they're not going to sound the same when when the final mix comes out sure I'm just giving you the vibe right exactly you know, you know? So that's I'm giving you Grey Hulk before you know that's Green right. Hulk <laughs> I love it so man. that's how that's how I want I'm I want to give Suns the the Elvis Sun sessions before the RCA sessions sessions I guess yeah you call man. It, you know well, it's exciting to know that you you've got an idea mm-hmm. and that you're actually just walking in faith right towards it mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. and however it develops mm-hmm. that's cool man um, man I'm stoked for you um, thank you but man. we got stuff that we're doing mm-hmm. and uh, I can't wait yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah and uh, I keep doing more. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That's what life is about. It's about yeah. cre- creativity and, and jamming. <laughs> yeah, and man. I, I, you know, you wish you don't have to work, mm-hmm. but again, it's yeah. <laughs> you got to put in the work right. to really make it mean something. You yeah. know. Well, it's a journey, and I'm glad you could show up today. Thank um, you. It's awesome. I appreciate um, it. I, I think people enjoy hearing this, and uh, just you know, getting to dig into one more artist, you know, one more person, and what what their values are and mm-hmm. experience, you know? Right. And hopefully, you know, somehow in a crazy way, they could hear this and be inspired enough to go and do their thing. I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, thanks, Leo. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, Paul. That's All great. right, guys. And um, signing off, this is Paul Runyon with Leo Partable. And there will be updates to come, pictures and links all over the place. Thanks a lot. <laughs>